2: We're mock drafting live tonight on Red versus Blue. We got
3: to get started.
1: Here we go. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. All right, let's go on Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Hello, everybody, and welcome
2: to Red vs. Blue, high-stakes fantasy radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night.
0: It, make it, do it, us better, faster, don't kill me, can only make hurry up, man, I can't wait much longer. I know harder, I got days, to be right it, now, faster, I can't How long I've been on ya I need you
3: right now I need you right now Live, Friday, July 23rd, 2010
2: This man has been coming from Indianapolis, Indiana the Blue with Scott Adkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandon, Kentucky, Michael Trent. And Mike, we are drafting live tonight. Uh, getting ready for this Pro vs. Joe's drafting that we've got next week, and we've got a heck of a crew in here already. We're at pick 112. 112 is on the clock, Rodney Munch. We'll talk about all the picks here tonight. And I see that you had the sixth pick, and you started off with Frank
4: Gore. Yeah, I went ahead and uh did uh went with Frank Gore. I wanted to go with the running back right off the bat. Uh I just uh I felt felt like that was the safest play. Uh took a look at a couple others, but uh Frank Gore was definitely it and I'm looking to uh looking to go uh solid wide receiver here in just a bit. Uh
2: this is Red vs. Blue, High Stakes Radio. Uh three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We've got a, a live draft going on right now as we uh, we had the first The first picks came on came in with uh, the, the regulars, Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and MJD, Ray Wright at four, pretty standard. And then you get Andre Johnson at five. That's pretty consensus. Frank Gore at six. Those guys kind of flip back and forth. And here's where it gets exciting, the dreaded seven pick. Uh, the Velvet Posers took Randy Moss. And, you know, what can you say? You can't fault uh, you know a Randy Moss pick at one seven this year. He is, you know, he's not a dynasty guy, but he's still going to be Randy Moss. Uh, Tom Brady's favorite target this year, I'm sure, with Welker ease back into the offense. The Steven Jackson pick at 1-8, Mike, very scary pick for me. Matter of fact, it's a pick I would be afraid to make as my first rounder. Now, if you told me Steven Jackson could be my second player this year, I might listen to it. But at 1-8, Mike, I don't think I can pull the trigger with that back surgery. Uh, Well,
4: you know, I, I agree with that. But then again, Steven Jackson, I mean, he's been getting a lot of love and a lot of mocks. Uh, you know, people are on him. Uh, they're figuring that the uh, the offense has has turned a corner in some type of way, uh, with maybe opening it up a little bit through the passing game, and maybe that might uh, make Steven Jackson a little bit more dangerous. Uh, I I tend to agree with you. I, I don't think that I could pull the trigger that quick on him. Uh, but uh, you know, why not? I, if if that's you know if that's who they like in that position, then uh, go for it.
2: Alright, Mike, you're one pick away here. We're waiting for the Velvet Posers to uh to make his uh two six pick. We just saw a couple of guys, let me get you caught up with the action. Uh Raiders takes Reggie Wayne at one nine, Larry Fitzgerald one ten, Miles Austin one eleven. Those are all guys you expect to see go. Uh Michael Turner, one twelve. Again, a down year last year, but again, still somebody that people are expecting a bounce back year from. Here's where the draft gets interesting also. At two one we see Aaron Rodgers come off the board. Now, Mike, I, I, I participated in a draft. You're on the clock, so you go ahead and concentrate. I'll talk to the listeners here. Uh, the crew at Red vs. Blue, the chat room, is, uh, is doing well tonight. Glad to see you guys in the chat room. Thanks for joining us, as always. Andrew Rodgers at 2-1 is, is very interesting because as good as he looked last year, Mike, I'm hearing reports, and this was this morning, that he looks even better this year. Is that possible?
4: Uh, is it possible? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, with with as many weapons uh, as he has uh, and, you know, with a with a solid running game, I think what's going to determine Aaron Rodgers' uh, year this year is going to be uh, Ryan Grant. And, uh, you know, if Ryan Grant has a – if he has a huge year, that's going to open up a lot of things for him. So it is possible. There's no question
2: about that. Well, we, we saw another quarterback come off the board. You took, Drew Brees, but let me, let me keep the, the the coverage going here. Roddy White goes at 2-2, Calvin Johnson 2-3. Roddy's a, a great pick there, very safe pick this year. Then you go Rashard all. Again, no Sean Moreno, a little high for what I've seen him, but a lot of people like what they're seeing in that kid. Uh, he didn't do a lot last year with what he had, and he didn't bring many big runs. I know that's a stat that people have been throwing out on no Sean Moreno. Ryan Grant, uh, you know, this is a guy that I thought I might be able to get in the third because I've been seeing Ryan Grant go in the third, and he's a very, very safe pick, in, in my opinion. On the flip side of, you know, the guy that I just saw go, Ryan Matthews, uh, John Duckworth, uh-huh. came at 211. that's a risky pick for me, right? I'm seeing a ton of love for Ryan Matthews. I mean, yes, he's in a great situation, but can you really count on him picking up the defenders?
4: Uh, well, you know,
2: yep. it, it's taking a huge risk.
4: There, there's uh there's some uh, other running backs on the board that are proven experience proven and uh I mean I don't mean you know by a bunch of years but I mean you, you got a couple of running backs on the board that uh you know they've been there for at least a year or two uh so that is uh John took a, took a flyer there took took a chance but uh obviously he has a confidence in Ryan Matthews and I'm sure a lot of us uh fantasy players do but that
2: I don't know I'm sitting here at 3-3, Mike, and, and I see Jamal Charles still on the board, and this is a guy that scares me absolutely to death, has all of upside in the world. But you, you hear on the radio in the morning, uh, Sirius Radio just the other day, uh, and Jamal Charles goes one pick after me. I took Sean Green over him. Uh But uh Rich Gannon was on Sirius Radio the other morning, and he said, what are you guys doing drafting uh, Jamal Charles that early? He says on the radio, he says, yeah, I know he had a couple of good games and he looked great doing it against some of those defenses, but this is this is Rick Gannon, mind you. He said, Thomas Jones is your starter. He just, he's just yeah. the starter on this team, and he's, he's going to be the bell count. this offense. they brought him in for a reason. It wasn't to mentor Jamal Charles. It was to carry the ball. That kind of scares me, even though I've heard reports that he's going to be the focal point of the offense. I mean, does Rick Gannon know what he's talking about? Yeah,
4: I mean I, I would say so. Uh but Jamal Charles is still uh in my opinion, uh he he is the he's the guy on that team. Uh but th- you know, there's gonna be so many things that happen here, Scott, with uh teams like the Jets, teams like uh Kansas City, uh Washington. It's gonna be become more of a running back by committee league than you've ever seen before. I I truly believe that. Uh, with all these teams that are just you know, they they got these safety valves at running back. So it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a big time running back by committee uh league.
2: Well that's that's that's
4: the wave of the future here. Let's
2: go back to Ryan Matthews. Again, a guy I've been seeing um reported his average draft position is around uh eleven or twelve and in, in that area the late late second round. I'm kinda of mid to late second round I'm kinda of seeing him go. I mean, look, he, he's not a guy that really blew up his, the, the college career, right? He didn't set the college world on fire, but he, the combine is where he really made his mark, brings into a great offense. But I just, I'm a little scared of drafting a guy that just I haven't seen. I mean, can you keep sprolls from stealing the reception? Uh, can he pick up the defenders in the blitz? Can he do everything that Philip Rivers is going to need him to do to justify a spot that you could take him over guys like D'Angelo? Sean Green, even Jamal Charles, those are those are big time names. You're taking him in front of. Well, he maybe he might not
4: be ready to uh, say week one, two, or three, but I think maybe by week four, five, six, uh, that could happen. Uh, a lot's gonna a lot you'll be able to tell by that last exhibition game, preseason game. I mean, and uh, you know, in week one and two, you know, just the, the, the little nuances like you just talked about you uh, we'll be able to find out real quick. Does it help out right now with the draft? No, it doesn't. Uh, so that's the chance you have to take in uh,
2: taking him that
3: high.
2: Very interesting strategy here by Wayne Ellis, Colts fan. From the 1-5, uh, from the one five, he takes Andre Johnson. Look, <laughs> the best player in the game right now, uh, any position. Uh, this guy just keeps doing it every single year. You're talking about a guy who's had 100 re- receptions in the, the last three complete seasons that he's played 101 catches, 1500 yards, nine touchdowns last year. It was a hundred or the year before that, it was like over like 115 catches, 1500 yards. So he just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it, Mike. And and so he starts off with Andre Johnson, Dallas Clark and Antonio Gates. Remember this is an FFPC format, one and a half points per reception for tight ends. And you can start two flex, which means you could start at the three tight ends. So, you know, uh, Now, Wayne, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of running backs he has, and I think that's probably what he's doing here is what kind of running back value can fall when you start off with Dallas Clark and Antonio Gates as your two and three. Now, the question is this, Mike. Not only the running backs, but when you take a tight end like that, I want to talk about these tight ends. I talked to you about this before the show. when When you start off with a stud tight end like Antonio Gates or Dallas Clark, your opponent is scared to death that that player is going for eight catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. Now you might be able to get a Zach Miller or an Owen Daniels or a Kellen Winslow and feel okay about the the tight end spot, saying, "Yeah, I'm holding it down here." But how are you going to feel? Uh, you're not going to have that eight for one hundred and two type potential. You know that's the thing you're giving up. Now, granted, you're getting you're getting something that on the running backs and receivers that maybe you know he's not.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just uh, the the tight end. The tight end deal and when to take them, uh, you know, that, that that's real hard because, uh, you know, they're going to have them stud games, but they're also going to have uh, some real snoozers. Uh, if you notice, I, I haven't taken a tight end yet. And, uh, you know, like you said, we talked about it for the show, and uh, it was something that, I you know, I thought about quite a bit. And uh, if I don't get the one that I want in the spot that I want, then I'm going to wait.
2: Well, we've got the draft rolling. We're, we're here at uh, 410. We do have the uh, the draft board uh, in the chat room. I'm going to go ahead and post it for all the listeners uh, that have jumped on late to the program. We, we are drafting a pros versus joes prep draft here. The pros versus joes draft start next week, next Monday at 9 p.m. We've got eight drafts in total. Uh, we have uh, 48 pros versus 48 joes, tons of prizes that are being given away next week. Uh, for, for, for the winners of this competition, and it's really a Brian Rice deal here. You've got the, some of the best uh, in the industry, and, and, and definitely the best players in the industry, are here in this competition. So, Mike, I, I want to I share with you um, a couple of these drafts. Again, I, I brought up Wayne Ellis, and he has went crazy with tight ends. And Andre Johnson as his uh, number one pick, Dallas Clark, Antonio Gates, and Tony Gonzalez. So he's going to be starting three tight ends. That potentially all can have eighty catches, right? Easy. So that means yep. at a point and a half for reception, he's starting three guys that have a hundred twenty catches apiece. Plus and up. he's got he's got about four hundred and eighty catches in, in
4: the first four guys. You're up, Scott. Pick a player. Oh,
3: uh, oh, yeah, oh.
4: I mean, you know, he's got a he's got a ton of them, and uh, so that's gonna that's gonna make the uh, group a little small there at
2: tight end. Okay, well, now this is uh, what you get for uh, drafting on Red versus Blue. I go ahead and get Tom Brady <laughs> in the fourth
3: uh, oh.
2: You know what? I'll take Tom Brady in the fifth, period, because you're getting Tom Brady in the fifth round? I mean, that's unheard of. You know, if if this guy, it's still Tom Brady, right? Now, what what are we expecting here?
3: Is he still that different
2: than Drew Brees? I mean, how much money would you put right now, Mike, that Drew Brees outscores Tom Brady? How much money would you would you comfortably put down? Uh,
4: it'd be hard to, but yeah, I, I I feel good about
2: that. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I'd be, I'd feel real good about it. I I would say that if I was a betting man, yeah, I would take the odds. But I don't I don't think I'd be mortgaging my house on it. So
3: second round to fifth round,
2: I'll take that any day of the week. I didn't have to give up a second round pick. I only gave up a a fifth. So anyway, I kind of got caught off guard there. I was rambling. Let, let's take a couple look at these teams. Now look, Wayne Ellis, we we just mentioned three tight ends with Andre Johnson. What kind of running back does he get? Yeah, only Matt Forte. I think he was the third pick in the draft last year.
4: You know, Wayne Wayne kinda of, uh well he stole him. Uh you know, I I did not really want Ronnie Brown at that point. Uh I was looking at Matt Forte uh really hard, so there's uh you know, it's uh what, July twenty third and we're already uh Already saying, man, why would he take him? Man, why did that guy take him? He stole him from me. He stole him from me. So
2: that's fun. Yeah, I, I love it. And I don't know what's going on here at the bottom part of this draft with Rodney Munch, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning combo. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was a mistake. Um, but uh, sometimes that does throw the draft off a little bit. Let's let's go back to Ryan Grant. I, I wanted to bring him up. I think he's one of the most undervalued players that we're seeing this year. Now again, second round. Uh, that kind of throws it off a little bit, but, you know, well, we about you know, I mean, it's being just, a risk.
4: you know, I, I've seen, uh, the second round, I got Ryan Grant in the second round, uh, you know, a week ago. And uh, to me, I felt like, you know, that's a little high, but, uh,
3: I don't know. He could be, uh,
4: that could be a good slot for him.
3: Well,
2: again, um, Ryan Grant, uh, very little risk. Uh he's a veteran. Um he he just does it. He he's gonna be involved in one of the best offenses in the league. And when you're talking about um a steady player that can definitely get you your fifteen points, thirteen points that you right. need week in, week out, that is Ryan Grant. You ha there is very little risk, uh, with a player like that and, and I, I just think that's the type of player that you wanna you want to surround yourself in those early rounds. Listen, you can't – it's hard enough to hit on these round picks. You don't want to miss on any of the early round picks. If you miss, then you're you're forcing your hand later in the draft to be right. That's I
4: correct. Mean, it, That's
2: correct. You're out of, you're, you're out of it. So I, I know a lot of teams like to get cute and fancy and really go for the extreme. But, you know, the, the drafts, just don't lose them in the first couple of rounds. Make sure you – you put solid picks in there that you know you can count on. Now, there's Dwayne Bowe that goes off the board in the sixth round. Uh, you got to like the value that we see from Dwayne Bowe. If he can keep his head on straight, it's a very scary situation. Uh, you know the coach isn't a big fan. Uh, you, you bring in the rookie, uh, Dexter McCluster, who, uh, by all accounts, it sounds like he's going to be lining up all over the place, in the backfield, as, as a wide receiver. I think he's going to find his role as a wide receiver in this offense, Mike, before it's all said and done, but what do you think about Dwayne Bowe? I know you've been a big fan of his for a long time. You've got him in the dynasty yeah. league, and um, talk to talk to the, talk to everybody about Dwayne Bowe. Well,
4: I've had a uh, you know I've had a big uh, I've been a big fan of Dwayne Bowe for a long time. Uh, I, I you know he, he went through a situation there in uh, Kansas City where it just seemed like he wasn't getting the ball the way he wanted it. The only time he would get it uh, was in end zone situations, which is nice. Uh, for fantasy owners uh but you know he he wants more than uh three four uh five receptions a game, and you know he he really wants the ball and i i think he's just uh he's just been he's gotten to the point where he's scared to say that and i uh, you know let's hope that uh let's hope that castle and uh him can continue to start hooking up more and uh Bo can put in a injury uh HGH preseason, so to speak, and, uh, and do that. And, but the one thing that uh, Dwayne Bo needs is Jamal Charles. He needs Jamal Charles. They, they both, both work interchangeable. He has to have Jamal Charles to have a huge year, a good running game, to where it can open up and they can do some things
2: uh, to free Bowe up. Well, and, and, again, he, he showed uh, he showed everybody uh, what he can do and what he's capable of. And if you if you chart him out, you know, he missed time there last year, about five games of it. If you chart him out, you know, he's definitely got that potential. There goes Dick no Spiller right off the board at 7-2. Uh, we'll be talking about him here in just a minute. But I'm going to go ahead and do a player search since I'm on the clock, and I'm going to – oh, did we miss him? Did I miss him? Maybe he already went.
3: Yep, it sure
2: did right there. Okay, well, I uh, can't – Well, he got
4: first and all, and there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, we'll take uh, we'll take Percy Harvin as a, a player who uh, has a tremendous amount of uh, there's that upside word again. But I want to come back here and I want to talk about
3: oh, uh, this C
2: J Spiller, this this uh, Buffalo running back that we're looking at here. Uh, look, seventh round for C J Spiller. Now, Chan Gailey is the important uh, important ingredient here in this equation. Chan Gailey. Uh, the reports, you know, if you look back at his back history, he doesn't do running back by committee, Mike. So, dating all the way back to 98 with Emmett Smith, obviously, that's not kind of fair, right? 98, 99, he had Emmett Smith, Chris Warren on the bench, Sherman Williams, hardly getting anything. I mean, Emmett's getting over 300 carries. He goes to the Miami Dolphins in 2000, Mike, and he gives Lamar Smith 300 carries. J.J. Johnson that year gets 50, okay? In 2001... Yep. He gives Lamar Smith another 300 carries. Travis Miner only gets 50. This guy uh, is a fan of a one-back carry the ball. If you can stay healthy, you're going to get the rock and I'm going to keep feeding you. Now, he's got three guys. He's got Fred Jackson come off a 1,000-yard season. He's got Marshawn Lynch, a former first-rounder, and he's got C.J. Spiller this year I think, number eight pick. He's got he's to make a decision on who's going to be his bell cow, Mike, and what do you see there? You got three capable guys but I, CJ Spiller is obviously the most talented.
4: Yeah, CJ Spiller is definitely the most talented. Uh I really believe that uh, you know, like I said, there's so many things with every team that's gonna shake out by week two, three, four. four. They're gonna have uh they're gonna have two backs that they can rely on and uh one back is gonna get uh I'd say what of the carries, uh, receptions, the other one is going to get 35%. Uh, And then the other one is just going to be, you know, he's going to be around uh, and uh, probably not be able to contribute that much. So that's going to make it very interesting uh, come waiver wire time, uh, blind bidding time, uh, in, in a week four when some of these backs, they're just not contributing, they're just not getting it done for their
2: particular team. 347-324-5404 Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We are drafting live in preparation for Pros versus Joe's next Monday, starting live nine o'clock p.m. You can follow all of the action. Uh, the RT Sports leagues are set up. Uh, Monday night kicks us off with um, Rudy uh, Rutgers, underdogs and Rod Tidwell's money makers. I believe those are the two leagues that we start Monday at nine and Monday at ten. Uh, those two drafts will be starting up. You can follow all the action there on RC Sports. They have some links up. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of our people following us on Twitter. Uh, our, we, we can be found on Twitter at Red Blue Radio, and uh, of course at DFPA. Uh You can email us at info at fantasyplayersassociation.com. com. And uh, look, we've got the crew of Red versus Blue. The chat room here is—it's uh, just a great crowd. Seeing everybody here tonight. Uh, We're we kind of threw this impromptu draft together because i tell you what, we, we need to see what's going on. And, look, when you're playing in an FFPC draft, the tight ends go like crazy. Not only, It's faster than you could ever imagine. Uh, now, this league here in particular, I waited until the sixth round to grab my tight end, right? It's a pretty reasonable spot. Uh, and, and Chris Cooley was still there. But he's pretty much the last of them, uh, you know, that you see there. I mean, Shanko went before that. Zach Miller is gone. Zach Miller's the guy I really want to talk about, Mike. Zach Miller is um, hes a value play tight end. If you can get your hands on Zach Miller in the sixth round, I think you're going to be very, very excited about what he brings to the table. Last season, uh, look, he, he had um, 15 games played, 66 receptions, 800 yards. Now, Mike, who was throwing him the ball? Mike's on the clock. I, I don't want to bother Mike. He, I, I see he's getting ready to make his pick on the clock. Look, we all know yeah, who's uh, throwing Scott, the ball. You it
4: know, was i been, uh, following the tight ends, uh, following everything there, Scott. And, uh, you know, I haven't taken the tight end yet. Uh, Zach Miller, uh, he would be one that uh, could definitely uh, stand out. I'm going to take the uh, comeback player of the year right now.
2: All right, let's see who it is. Comeback player of the year, Steve Slayton, Mike Trent's comeback player of the year in the eighth round. Uh, Mike, go ahead and talk about Steve Slayton Since you took him in the eighth round Obviously you have not given up on your dynasty hopeful Well, no, uh, I haven't
4: And the the reason I went ahead And uh, took him in that slot uh, Was you know, they still have Some young talent uh, behind him Ben Tate, you know, Ben Tate can't wait To get in there and do uh, do some things Steve Slayton, he showed Some improvement last year with the Fumbling deal toward the end of the year uh, And he still He's still a burst of energy uh, coming out of the backfield. And, uh, I, you know, I've been reading some blogs that uh, he's uh, he's been in such great shape and he can't wait to get back and he can't wait to get that starting job back. And uh, all it takes is, you know, you know as well as I do, what have you done for me lately? All it takes is those first couple games out of the box with a, a nice uh, rushing performance, a uh, couple nice receptions out of the backfield, and next thing you know, you're settled in back into that starting spot. So, is it a chance, somewhat? But uh, I still believe that uh, Steve Slayton is going to have a huge year and come out Player of the Year.
2: He definitely has the potential. He's got the pins in the neck, though. It's definitely scares everybody here. Um, you know, the, that that's not a, a, a surgery that you like to see having. Uh, what, what kind of what 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 is impact going to do to that surgery? That very scary situation there. I don't I don't know what we're going to uh, experience how he's gonna do when he when he holds up to a, a tackle like that. It's just, it's gonna be very painful to watch. Uh but he does have some help in that backfield. Uh Ben Tate, uh yep. the rookie that comes in. He's drafted a they they you know, they they grab him and then you have Arian Foster. Um you know I've got to make a decision right here uh who I'm gonna take and I got a lot of names on the on the board and I tell you what, I'm looking right here at a, a name that's not very popular, uh, but with the situation that he's being drafted in, uh, ninth round, uh, the starting running back for the Washington Redskins and Donovan McNabb. I'm going to go ahead and take a stab on an older guy. Here's one of the old guys on my squad right now, Clinton Portis. You know, hey, McNabb. Uh, you know, he likes he likes to make those little tosses. So let, let me let me get back to Zach Miller for a second. Zach Miller, the tight end for Oakland. We're talking about. Uh, last year, in 15 games, 66 receptions, look, you can get this guy at the very end of this uh, of this tight end run, right? He's coming at the very end, right around the Shanko and the Cooley. After all the big guns are gone, Winslow and everybody,
3: Zach Miller's
2: kind of the next guy there, right right around the Winslow territory. And you, you think about how bad that Raiders offensive line was last year, too. Miller still led the team in targets. In fact, he led the team in targets. Receptions and yards The past two seasons Okay That is a centerpiece of that offense I mean it's Chad Shillings It's Danny Hayward What is it Mike? Lewis Murphy, Johnny Lee Higgins And then they draft Jacoby Ford I mean, look, That's not going to strike fair Into any NFL opponent It's just not going to And so Zach Miller at six six. I mean this is a guy that Jason Campbell's known to throw to the tight ends And so uh now I see you picked up your tight end here in the ninth round. Yeah, I went ahead and uh I
4: had to take uh Greg Olson. Uh Heath Miller, I looked at him but
2: uh I just couldn't wow. do it.
4: So uh Greg Olson I thought would be uh the, the better uh, the better pick for me.
2: Wow, I think that's a colossal mistake right there. My now again that's just everybody's draft is different. Um, but I, I, I tell you, when I'm looking at Greg Olsen over Heath Miller, I, I can't pull this trigger. Heath Miller's a guy, I, I don't have a stats in front of me, but he's an 80-catch guy for Pittsburgh now. They say he's going to uh, you know come in to the office of line to make up for the injuries there on the line uh, and kind of helps on, on run and pass protection, but Heath Miller is still going to be a guy who they're going to rely on very heavily, and in a point-and-a-half-per-reception point league, especially with the Mike Marks situation going on there in Chicago. He just doesn't throw to the tight ends. Uh, but, you know, hey, you, you get him in the ninth, man. It's not like you're paying a premium price for him.
4: No, oh, no, no, exactly. I mean, you know, I just went down the line, and uh, Greg Olson, Greg Olson, I think, uh, should get more touchdowns than Heath Miller. Now, the point, for the PPR with a point and a half, yeah, that's going to hurt me. That's going to hurt me bad. But uh, I, you know, I think uh, Greg Olson may get more touchdowns, especially because in Chicago they, they don't know how to punch it in uh, with the running backs.
2: Now, here's a very interesting pick I just saw come off the board. Red State Hicks comes in as his wide receiver four and snags up Johnny Knox. Johnny Knox is a prototypical Mike Marsh wide receiver. You could you could see the return of those of, of the St. Louis Rand type, type offense when you have Jay Cutler slinging that rock around. And yep. and Johnny Knox fits that mold at six foot one eighty. He's the one making the cuts, making the short catches and, and taking off after the catch. This is a guy that I'm really interested to see where he goes. I think he's getting an absolute steal in the ninth round. I, I, it's just a it's just a numbers game here. Look, we know what Mike Mark's offense is all about. It produced all the great weapons in Detroit. It produces it produced the great weapons in uh St. Louis. Now San Fran wasn't all that impressive, but when you can turn John Kitten up into the number six rated quarterback. Think about what he could do with Jay Cutler. And Jay Cutler has to throw the ball. He's gonna to throw to Hester, he's gonna to throw to Knox, I think as one and one A. And then you've got a Roma Shadu, uh, to kinda of throw that uh that that big target that they need. I I really, I really like that pick.
4: Boy, I'm I'm having a heck of a time here. Uh let's see, uh
2: Mike, you've got your quarterback, you've got your tight end. I really, I really consider going back to back with the tight ends, but that's just me. Um, but then again, you know, you, you you still need some help. You still need some help. Uh, Bray, Braylon Edwards is your number three. I don't know how good you could feel about that. You went ahead and backed up Drew Brees with Carson Palmer. What are you doing? I
4: didn't mean to do that. I, w- I was timed out oh, okay.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say because you would never do that in a real draft. Drew Brees, he's your one quarterback and you don't draft another uh, one the entire draft. I timed out. Yeah. Hey it's okay. You know, this is this is just for practice. Uh I put the clock on a forty five second timer. Maybe next time I can give us a little bit more time. Um uh, let me go ahead
4: and no, make my fine. Decision. I mean I I just you know, it's one of the things where, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I don't need another quarterback but uh but uh, I'll I'll pick up somebody down the road. But yeah, uh, me,
2: you
4: know go it's ahead. <laughs> I made my pick. I know. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, I just want to make sure you get your pick in. And uh, but it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we're gonna keep on rolling because uh, still a few rounds to go. And uh, Fred Davis, Fred Davis, talk about Fred Davis, Scott, because uh, it's pretty good. To, pretty good back up
2: there. Well, we've got a lot of guys to talk about, but uh, I'll go ahead and and, and briefly mention, you know, I mean, look, we all saw what Fred Davis did um, for the Washington Redskins in relief duty last year. This kid put up uh, 48 catches over 500 yards, and he was just a touchdown machine in the red zone. This kid knows how to use his size. He's 6'4", 250. Now, I'm not saying he's a Jermichael Finley but he reminds me of a talent like Jermichael Finley. There's nobody better in the game right now, I think, from a talented perspective than Jermichael Finley. But Fred Davis right. has that physical ability to really be a dominant force. Now, I don't know how to, how uh, Cooley's gonna fit in. I think Donovan McNabb is gonna throw a lot. Now, I I went ahead and loaded my team up with Washington Redskins so far. It's a little scary. I got Cooley Porter and Fred Davis. Ah. That's three three Redskins in ten rounds. But I I, I tell you what, you know McNabb loves to throw to the tight ends and toss to the backs. That's just what he's always done all his career. And and let's face it, when I'm hearing rumors on Washington radio that they're going to cut Devin Thomas and Malcolm Kelly, that tells you right there that they are not happy with those wide receivers. I would not be surprised if they do something drastic, and they and they decide to bring in a, they decide to bring in a, a Terrell Owens or something. I, know, I, I Yo, exactly. No, they wouldn't. But Shanahan, team, uh, is, uh, Shanahan is, is known to take some chances.
4: Well, you know, that team, it kind of reminds me of what uh, McDaniels did with uh, Denver. I see a total facelift with that team. Uh, They could do that with no problem. And Shanahan, he wouldn't have a problem doing it at all. It's just like, you know, he he wants to win. Snyder definitely wants to win. That's why he brought Shanahan in there. So uh, I could see a total, uh, total facelift with that team.
2: Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. Feel free to give us a call, and and we'll talk about this draft tonight. Uh, I look at uh, Leonidas Revenge, Russ Steele, and he had to get a wide receiver because obviously there was a couple of mishaps there on the the draft grid. Uh, And, you know, he's looking at a wide receiver. He could take Wes Welker. He could take Ocho Cinco. He could take Heinz Ward, guys that are definitely going to get you the catches that you need. And he goes with Mike Sims-Walker. And I want to talk about Sims-Walker a little bit. This guy's going to face some tough cornerbacks this year. He had a great year last year, right? Um uh, yeah. He did get dinged up a little bit. But he showed classes, uh, you know, flashes of really being a guy that you can count on with that really number one upside potential. But look look at the schedule that this guy's going to face this year. He's got to, he's got to face Champ Bailey at home week one. <laughs> You know, Champ Miller at home week one. I'm not really a fan of starting Sims Walker week one against Champ Miller, but let's let's move on. He's got to face Asante Samuel, week three. This is off of uh Lester's Legends, by the way. Ryan Lester put out a great article on the twenty-third here. Cortland Finnegan, week six. And then Namni Ottamois, week fourteen. He's gonna to have to be more productive on the road with that schedule as he puts up uh as he points out here. And then he goes on, Mike, uh Another interesting stat with Mike Sims-Walker, eight home games, he had 44 catches, 630 yards, and six touchdowns. You want to know what he did on the road? What? Seven games, 19 catches, 230 yards, and one touchdown. (laughs) He's a hometown hero, man. This guy didn't do anything on the road at all. In seven games, he he brought in 19 catches, okay? I'm a little leery of, of counting on Mike Sims Walker for more than what he did last year, and he's going. Yeah, wide receiver eighteen. Yeah,
4: he's a definite yeah. homer. There's no doubt about that. And uh, so, uh, you know, that, 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 there's your platoon, platoon system. It's matchups, 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 matchups.
2: Yeah, I'm just a little leery of it. Uh, hey, uh, before we before we move on here, you know, I want to give a shout out to. Uh, one of our one of our red versus blue uh, fans, uh, Terrence Williams of the Louisville Cardinals, uh, say you'd be listening tonight, and uh, Terrence, welcome to Red versus Blue, uh, new Facebook friend. Uh, you you might recognize the name, Mike, a first round lottery pick uh, just two yeah. years ago, uh, New Jersey Nets, and uh, he's the point guard point forward for the New Jersey Nets.
3: Six six,
2: the guy has a lot of size. Um, you know, if, if I don't know if you saw his late season development, Mike. But there was yeah, like four games a, to go a in the year. year. Yeah, yeah, four I, I, games I
0: followed
4: in the uh, year. I followed T Will and uh he had a real good year last year and uh it just uh he's
2: just gonna keep on improving. He he, he got himself a triple double late in the year. Thirteen rebounds, ten assists, twenty seven points against the Chicago Bulls. So we're kinda rooting for our boy T Will to uh to take that next step this year. Um Look, we're we're, we're already ramming up uh, with the, with these 12 rounds. I'm, I'm I'm gonna break down some of these teams. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of madness going on with some of these picks here. Rodney Munch, man, he's got uh, he he went six running backs in a row from round six through 11. Picked up Jerome Harrison, Fred Jackson, McFadden, Ben Tate, Thomas Jones, and LT. Just took a little bit of everything. Okay, I'm on the clock, so Mike, I'm gonna turn it over to you while I make my last pick here. Okay,
4: yeah, there's uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been madness. It's uh we've gone right through it uh, you know, in what 38 minutes, uh a lot of different picks, a lot of different teams. I'm kind of looking at the uh grid right now and uh I, you know, I'm seeing I'm seeing probably players that uh, you know, wouldn't be selected at a certain time, uh but were uh and uh, you know, it just makes it uh, it gives everybody the experience and makes us uh a little bit more season come, uh, you know, come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, I personally, I'm drafting um, at 10 o'clock Thursday. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we've, uh, you know, on uh, on the board there with the pros versus Joes uh, in uh, League 8, we uh, Steve Latimer's group. I mean, we've had a lot of fun just uh, making a side wager here, a side wager there, and just um, having some fun with it. Uh, so this is gonna make it a lot more fun, just to get everybody prepared and uh and just have fun with it.
2: Yeah, I went ahead and took my uh I went ahead and took my uh, fourth Redskin Mike
3: <laughs> in
2: twelfth rounds. Uh went ahead and took uh Linda Johnson to back up Clinton Fortis. I figured I'm getting that combo in the ninth and twelfth round. Uh so I backed up my tight ends with Cooley and Fred Davis and backed up my running backs. I don't know what I'm doing here. So all right, this draft is officially over. Thank you guys for participating. Twelve rounds of FFPC action. We had the forty-five second timer on, so that did make things very competitive. Very, uh, you know, you had to be sharp and be on your game to be able to make this make this draft happen. And we've got the crew at in the, in the chat room here, red versus blue, talking a lot about it. Um, we've uh, we've got bombers doing some good things. Cocktails and dreams. Chad Schroeder's on here saying bombers and daydreamer josh comes on and says he's, he agrees he'd be happy with that team so mike let's take a look at at Daryl uh bombers team here he starts at the full position and brings in ray rice comes back with brandon marshall who uh you know i was kind of watching there brandon marshall greg jennings i kind of flip a form with both those guys i think they'll both be very successful this year and then uh you know we have that flip here i had sean green jamal charles uh, right within a ahead of each other he i go green he takes charles but then look at the value he gets in the fourth round. He comes back and gets LaShawn McCoy, Mike, at 4-9. Now, if you could get LaShawn McCoy in the fourth round at 4-9 uh, in Vegas, I think you'd be absolutely ecstatic. Here's a guy, Mike, who's destined for 50 catches if he stays on the field, uh, if he's healthy this year. And And look, what did Philadelphia do this year? They didn't go after a replacement for Brian Westbrook. They must be happy with what they've seen in Lashawn McCoy. They bring in Mike Bell, a journeyman, to kind of take care of the goal line stuff, which you have to do, right? With Lashawn McCoy, he's not going to be a a power runner, but they must like what they see in Lashawn McCoy. So he's going to get he's going to be the main ball carrier.
4: Yeah, uh,
2: you know I'm looking
4: at his team right now, and uh, Lashawn McCoy is going to be uh, the main ball carrier. Uh, you know, I got a good friend, big Philly, uh, big Philly guy, and you know he he can't wait for this year uh, for LaShawn McCoy and uh, some of those uh, young wide receivers. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at his team down the road. You know, we were talking about tight ends. If you don't grab them quick or get one of the elite, then you may suffer. Well, I don't think he's going to suffer. Uh, when you look uh, a little further down the road in round six uh, with Shianco, and then he comes back in round eight with Dustin Keller. Uh, you know, that's a perfect platoon situation. Uh, we were talking about matchups and, you know, and who's going against who. Uh, that's a good platoon situation with Chianco and Keller. Uh, Malcolm Floyd after Keller. I mean, Floyd could emerge big time for San Diego. Uh, I, I think Terrell Owens uh, could be a wasted pick, but, uh, you know, if he finds his spot, then so be it. But, uh, you know, from top to
2: bottom, uh, that's a pretty strong team.
4: Yeah, let, let, let's let
2: continue to look at that because, again, I want to stick with this LaShawn McCoy angle because there's a couple of schools of thought here. Number one, if he gets his 50 catches again, he's going to be a top 10, top 12 type running back. The other angle is, is he a Brian Westbrook? If he's not a Brian Westbrook, if Brian Westbrook didn't have the receptions, okay, if Brian right. Westbrook didn't have the receptions, he wouldn't be anything to look at stat-wise, Right. It was never heavy on the carries. It was always heavy on the receptions. Seventy, I think he had an eighty, maybe even nine. It was, it was, it was blowing me away. Maybe ninety one year. So, if LaShawn McCoy doesn't do that, will he get enough carries? Will he get two hundred carries? That's yet to be seen in this offense with Kevin Cobb. Now, Kevin Cobb is the other interesting, uh, interesting piece in this equation, and, and let's talk about him because we saw the Velvet Posers pick him up in the eighth round tonight. Uh, waited till the eighth round to get your quarterback, and that allowed him to gobble up on running backs and wide receivers. And then he took a steal in Heath Miller. So I really like that team, the Velvet Posers. But let's let's take a look at Kevin Cobb. There's a lot of expectations for this guy, and you know I've seen him. He's 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 religiously being taken as the eighth quarterback in most drafts this summer. That uh-huh. means that all fantasy owners, if you think about it, we should ex- be expecting to get. Philip Rivers-type production from Kevin Cobb. Now, do you think Kevin Cobb can produce – let's look at Rivers. Do you think he can produce 29 touchdowns, 4,200 yards, uh, with fewer than 10 interceptions? I mean, if that's the case, then go ahead and take him as the eighth quarterback off the board. But that's a very high price, and to me, that's overvalued. Well, you know, I I mentioned on the
4: show a couple weeks ago – Kevin Cobb, uh, I don't think he's going to disappoint a- at all. Uh, can he match exactly those numbers? No, uh, but can he come close? I think so. Uh, I don't think Kevin Cobb will disappoint at all. He's been seasoned. He's uh, He's been groomed for this. Uh, this is his chance. And I know uh, there was a couple games last year where, you know, he proved that he could put up the numbers, albeit, maybe not against the best competition, maybe not against, against the better NFL teams, but he still proved that he can be a, a, a good NFL quarterback. Now, this year is going to be his chance to be, uh, you know, a better than average and uh, possibly great NFL quarterback. And, then, you know, I can't believe I'm saying that, but you got to give the guy his due. He's
2: got an arm. I mean, he has got a serious arm. But but let's think about this for a second. Now, he didn't go eighth in this draft. He went tenth, to be exact. And, you know, if you look at the tenth-best quarterback in the draft last year, Mike, uh, in the season, who was it? It was Eli Manning. Eli threw for 4,000 yards on 500 attempts, 27 touchdowns, and 14 picks. Now, Kevin Cobb, his first year starting, you're going to expect Eli Manning-type performance in his best season ever? I mean, look, it's just a little—it's a little mind-boggling to me. Now,
3: granted, Eli went
2: one pick right after Cobb, so it's like you know he—he he, he likes Cobb, and, and and that's you know, and maybe 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 Eli progresses a little bit. I mean, he, Eli really doesn't have anywhere to go but down. I mean, if you if you think about it, but that's a lot of expectations to be pinning on Kevin Cobb, and and, and I just feel like you—if he does what he's—if he does perform, you're not getting value. You're getting what you drafted him to be, you know? You would think if you're going to get Kevin Cobb and you're going to take him, you're going to take him in the 10th round or something like the Matt Stafford area, you know?
4: That That's where
2: you would really get value for a guy like Kevin Cobb because, you know, when you've got Eli Manning, he's proven. When you've got Joe Flacco, he's proven. Donovan McNabb, I mean, as much as you might not like him, I mean, he's proven uh, that he could be a top 10 quarterback. You're asking a lot from Kevin Cobb now. Andy Reid it did Andy Reid make McNabb, or did McNabb make Andy Reid? That's what I think we're going to find out this year, and it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch, especially in games where they play each other. I'm I'm looking really forward to that.
4: Yeah, it will be, and uh, the one thing about that is you know, with that whole division, uh, let's face it, that's a very tough division, and uh, so Kevin Cobb, I mean, it's not like he's uh, coming in and it's going to be an easy road. It's going to be a very tough road, but you know he's got a lot of things going in his favor. Uh, they've got a great offensive line. Um, their defense is very good. Uh, you throw in uh, Lashawn McCoy and uh, the young wide receivers uh, that he has—explosive wide receivers that love to go downfield. They love to have a quarterback that can throw the ball long. And I think that's what uh, I think that that's what's missing in this whole scenario is. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Macklin, they want to sprint. They want to go downfield, and they want somebody that can throw the ball, throw the ball to them. And so that's why, uh, you know, I don't have any, you know, any doubts at all that uh, Kevin Cald can get it done in Philly uh, in big fashion.
2: Let's take a look at some teams that did some unconventional things. Um, Greenwood Invincibles. Glad he could make uh, this draft tonight. Uh, he brings out, he, he starts off with Stephen Jackson, three running backs right off the bat: Steven Jackson, No. Sean Moreno, and Pierre Thomas. So uh, you know you're, you're going to be hurting a little bit uh, at your wide receiver position. But here's what he pulls off: he pulls off Steve Smith in the fourth, at Best in the fifth. So now he's going four running backs. He's committing to going four running backs. He takes at Best over Dwayne Bow, Vincent Jackson type wide receivers. And then, you know, you think you would go ahead and shore up. Here's where a mistake I think was made, and again, I'm not uh, an expert here, but I think a mistake was made, looking in hindsight here, when you took Phillip Rivers over the, the, your wide receiver two. You could have had a Dwayne Bow, a Macklin, or a Garcon as your number two and still been okay with a, with a quarterback. You know, you could have taken Cobb uh, in the next round, uh, but instead you land driver now. There's not a lot of faith on the Donald Driver department right now, Mike. The guy is aging. Uh, I mean, when you get up to that age, over 35, you start to wear it down. And Driver, while he had one of his better seasons, matter of fact, he he was a lot of value last year because people set a tie pick on Greg Jennings in the second, and Driver outperformed Jennings. Now, late in the season, you started to see Jennings really really take off, and I think that's what you're going to see more of this year, but I don't think Driver has another year in him like that, do you? Well,
4: you know, even even around uh, uh, seven, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at Donald Driver. I'm thinking, you know, and that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind was, can he do another one? Can he do another year? Can he do another year? Uh, but then again, did we not say that about him last year? Uh, yeah, we did so, you know, when, when's the point do you write somebody off, whether it be a wide receiver or a running back, especially wide receivers? When do, you, when do you write a wide receiver off?
3: Right. It's, a,
2: it's in a situation with Donald Driver, and it's scary because as a fantasy owner, you don't want to pin your hopes on a 35-year-old wide receiver. That's the type of year where, you know, I'm 35. I mean, you run around with the kids, and you you know, even if you're in shape, you sprain something, and you're out for a couple of weeks rather than just a couple of plays. It's a it's a right. it's a it's a bit different with your body. But this guy had arthroscopic surgery on both knees back in January, and they say he feels fantastic, and he wishes he would have had that procedure years ago. Okay, now he hasn't been practicing during the OTAs, uh, but he has been cleared by the team. So this is a guy you undergo the procedure and. This guy, maybe, you know, he's talking about playing until 40 and extending his career five years. He doesn't have the pain this year. He played with limited range and pain and, 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 you know, very little flexibility last year. So think about him putting up that kind of season last year, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, getting him that late in the draft, and now he's feeling even better, and you can snag him in the, in the eighth round here. Maybe, yeah. maybe, it's a, maybe it's a strategy that uh, that will work out.
4: It could be. I mean, you
3: know,
4: you just have to, uh, you know, that's taking a big chance. I mean, it is taking a big chance, but, uh, you know, you go back and you look at uh, guys like Donald Driver uh, throughout, like you said, throughout his career. Has he always come up to training camp on time? Has he always done the little things that would keep you in shape? So to have surgeries like what he's had, um, that wouldn't be that Big of a thing uh, to come back right. from because he's used to his work ethic and he's used to doing it. So, you uh, know, I don't, I, I don't discount his age. Or, I mean, I, I discount his age at that point. I'm, I'm going, yeah,
2: I'll, I'll take a chance on him, sure. Yeah, you know, at that spot in the draft, I kind of agree. And, and you know, let's face it, as fantasy players, we we're, we're we always want the the sexy young picks uh, that you would take in a dynasty draft type players, the young guys that just have all the potential in the world. But every year, if you think back, you know, the Curtis Martins of the world that have great seasons, uh, the Donald Drivers, the Heinz Wards, uh, these are the guys that you're always looking for one guy like that. And I remember years ago it was even Daryl Jackson, you know, uh, an older guy that was was playing really well at a high level. And then they finally fall off. You know, Marvin Anderson did it for several years, and then all of a sudden, boom. It's over, yeah. and you never know when that year is going to happen, um, but it, you are looking for that player, and if you're looking for a veteran, I think Heinz Ward and Donald Driver fit into that category of somebody that you say, you know what, that's a guy that I'm going to take a chance on. Uh, T.J. Husmanzada, on the other hand, that's a guy I don't really want any part of. I mean, you, no. you, you think it, if you've got a new offensive of system, uh, number one, a guy that didn't did come through with 80 catches. I mean, he he did put through the put, put the stats up on the board. They just didn't score touchdowns last year. Now fault the quarterback a little bit, but he had the hernia. He had, uh, several other little injuries. And I I think those types of things start to wear on you. I mean, this guy isn't as old. He's not as old as Donald, Donald driver. He's two years younger than Donald driver. So do, do you feel, what do you, what do you think about Hoosh? Well,
4: I don't like Hoosh at all. Uh, you know, I because like you said, it's it's all about systems. Uh, you know, he's in a system right now to where I don't think uh, they'll be able to open it up uh, the way they want to, uh, the way they'd like to. Uh, and you know, you, you told me this, uh, gosh, it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, Hoos has never even been a number one. So, uh, you know, if you, if you if you're not used to being a number one, then uh, why will you ever be a number one? And uh, so I I don't care for Hoosh at
2: all. Uh, I, I will not draft Hoosh. I tell you, I also uh, think a lot about this round six pick by Red State Picks, this Felix Jones, Mike. Um, he a player that I think as we get closer to camp and when the preseason comes around, and they announce Felix Jones as the starter, and you see the things that he started to do in the season last year, he's highly explosive. He could take it to the house uh, on any play. And he clearly can outperform Barber. But Barber's is a guy who plays through pain. He played with an injury last year and puts up stats while Felix, as soon as he gets dinged up, he's coming off the field. It's a it's a stark contrast. If Felix can stay healthy and you can get a stud, steel, star yes. running back in the sixth round, that's a guy that I heard somebody wow. tell me the other day, and I agree with this, this is a guy that has $300,000 written all over him. Yeah, if, if if
4: Felix Jones can stay healthy, uh, of course, we all know that's a big if, but if he can stay healthy, uh, watch out. This guy is explosive. He's one of the most explosive players in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, the, uh, running back by committee, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, Mary right. Harbor is just tough, and so that's why you almost got to be a little scared of taking Felix that high. But. You know, he takes him that high or if he takes him in the slot, you take him wherever you want to take him. Uh, yeah. If you're
2: confident that he can stay healthy, watch out. These are the questions we start to ask ourselves as fantasy players. Do you take a running back by committee guy like Felix Jones with all the potential in the world, or do you take your stud quarterback, maybe your stud wide receiver? You could still get a very elite wide receiver, Bo, Macklin, Garcon, these are guys that you would love to have on your squad every single week. Uh, and Felix, I mean, yeah, the upside's there, but can you count on him week in and week, in, week out? That's always the question. Now, when you take a Felix Jones, you have to be willing to back him up. That's the key. Anytime you take a Felix Jones, this this, this player here didn't have that opportunity because Marion Barber was sniped by Mr. Wayne Ellis in the seventh round uh, because he, too, needed a running back and he had to take a stab there, but um, it's, it's one of those guys that yeah he's got all the potential in the world. You, you you're turning down another stud player at another position. Okay, very hard to do, but you know what the opportunity is. The potential there is a three hundred thousand dollar type player that you get in the sixth round. The converse side of it is, boy, if I miss on this, I'm not I'm not cashing in my league at all because my RB two will just be awful, and that's. That's the question that you, that he has there, um, if Felix Jones will be able to pull that off, Mike. This was fun tonight.
3: Uh, I don't know what
2: we've learned uh, we're gonna, we're going to keep this draft board up we'll post the draft board for everybody to see if you did miss this podcast we'll have this draft uh, board up and available. This is just kind of a preview of what you're going to see on Monday night <laughs> uh, minus the errors here uh, hopefully we' won't, we, we won't we, we'll do a little bit better with that, but uh, this is the type of a preview that you'll see, and I love this. I love this Ocho Cinco pick in the fifth round. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, you know, I'm not predicting a huge season here, but when you can wait until the fifth round, Mike, the fifth round and get Ocho Cinco as your number two wide receiver, that's a perfect spot. That is just a sweet, that's the value pick in this draft right here, Ocho Cinco, fifth round. uh, You know, he he went after guys like Tim Walker and Welker.
4: I couldn't agree with you more. Uh you know, this Cincinnati team, you know, they they're kind of under the radar a little bit. They you here in Cincinnati, but uh you know, I, who knows? Carson Palmer, that's another guy that uh you know, he could have a huge year uh with uh with what they've got going there. Uh so, Yep. going to be but, better. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, I've enjoyed the draft. I mean, it goes by so fast and there's so many things uh but one thing uh, that you do and we do on Red versus Blue, we love to do drafts, live drafts. We love to do live draft slots. Um, it, it keeps it fun. It keeps it fun. But, uh, you know, it, it's time to really get rolling because, like I said, it's, it's July 23rd, so uh, it's, it's right around the corner. And uh, good luck to everybody in the pros versus Joes. And uh, all i got to say is go Joes. And we've got
2: uh, one minute left. We're going to bring on a late caller. Caller from the 937, what you got?
5: Scotty, this is the Code Cracker, and tonight I am a Velvet Poser.
2: Tell again, Rick. What's going on, buddy?
4: (laughs) Not much. You know, I love the analysis of the draft.
5: The draft did not go how I thought it would. Uh, My draft, taking Randy Moss in one. uh, I think I'm trying to take upside there. I took Grant, Ryan Grant, in two as a safe pick. Bolden in three is a safe pick. Jonathan Stewart in four as I think, a relatively safe pick. But after that, it gets weird. I would have loved to have ended up with Ocho Cinco. I ended up taking Hines Ward because that was what was there. And then in the next round, Dwayne Bowe. So now think about it already. I've got Moss, Bolden, Ward, and Bowe in the first four rounds. Now, I haven't taken a tight end. And I've got Grant and Stewart. So I'm in that position, that, like your partner there. He didn't Red. take a tight end until late. Red. And Red. hang on with, little hang little. On with oh.
2: us, hang on with us, I want to talk about your team. We're going to be, we'll be right back with overtime on Red vs. Blue. Everybody will see you later. Stay with us on the podcast.
1: You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk oh. Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
2: All right, we're back here with overtime on Red vs. Blue, and Rich McClellan is popping in with us. And, Rich, when I look at the Velvet Posers here, I'm, I'm really impressed with what you did with this, uh, this draft. It's a, it's, a, it's a classic draft to succeed and to catch <laughs> some money here. I, I'm really a fan. As a matter of fact, as I look at this team, this is the team to beat, Mike. Can you take a second look at Velvet Poses? I see four stud wide receivers. I've, I see three running backs that I think you're going to be able to count on. So there's seven guys already. You've got more than enough that you need, and you still come out of it with Cobb and Heath Miller. I've got I've got them up here right now, and uh,
4: I guarantee you, you you couldn't wait when I took Greg Olson. You were like, thank gosh.
3: I couldn't <laughs> <pick Greg Olsen. laughs> Now I can jump on
4: Heath Miller.
5: <laughs> I will say that. I will say that I was happy that you took Olsen and not Miller. Um, you know, the, the draft The draft is is what it is in every scenario. We all know it's organic. I, I didn't really go into this thinking I would wake that late on a tight end. However, after it went three or four rounds, and especially when – Wayne, that rat bastard, took all the tight ends, and he was in my I, – I, let me rephrase that. I was in his FFPC league last year when he smoked everyone. Um, you know, I, I just at that point gave up on the idea that I was going to get one of the top guys as far as tight ends go. And so I had Miller targeted. I think that with Roethlisberger gone for the first four games – and then when he comes back and minus Antonio Holmes and given his performance in the past, I think Scott, you said during the show, you thought he would be an 80 catch guy. So do I. And to get an 80 catch guy that late so that you can go heavy on wide receivers and running backs, I thought was a deal.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're looking furthermore,
4: at, uh, I don't know if you heard me, uh, talking about Kevin call, but, uh, I'm a believer in Kevin Cobb and uh and you know, he's he's gonna have to prove me prove me wrong and I know it's a tough division and everything, but uh, like I said, I mean the guy's got an arm and he's got wide receivers that like to go long. So that that's big play material there.
5: Well Scott made made a good case for him being a question mark, and I agree with that actually. However, I will say this. I'm a I'm a Packer fan. So I followed the Holmgren Favre relationship. I followed the Andy Reid McNabb relationship. I think that that Cobb has as much chance to be Aaron Rodgers as anyone does. He's been there for several years. He's learned the system, and I think that Andy Reid is one of those guys. He knows he's going to throw. They they're, they're a passing offense first. He would have never made. The McNabb trade—if he weren't positive that Cobb could do it—so I was playing the uh, the odds there that he would last that long, which gave me the chance to pick position players before that.
2: Good point. Yep. Well, you, you absolutely nailed the draft. And the more I look at it, if I could leave Vegas, Rich, with this team, I am it. Okay, now. Now, we can argue all day long, okay, Randy Moss, Fitzgerald, or Austin, okay? Maybe I take uh, Fitzgerald there, or maybe I take Austin over Moss just to protect myself because I think they have no worries, whereas Randy Moss does have a worry in age uh, that could eventually creep up on him. Which I don't know when that's going to happen. It could be this year. I don't have that concern with Miles Austin or Larry Fitzgerald, no matter how bad that line is, so regardless there, we it doesn't matter. You've got a stud wide receiver. You come back in the second round and it's the first time, to be honest with you. I'm gonna be the first time I've seen Ryan Grant go in the second. So if you could have gotten Ryan Grant in the third, would you feel better about and would you feel better about Greg Jennings or Brandon Marshall than Anquan Bolden? I think that answer would be yes. I w I wouldn't disagree
5: I wouldn't disagree with that. I wasn't sure in in the drafts I've seen so far the the number one running backs I would end up in, with in three were were not that great. I, again, I'll, I'll admit this might be a bit of a homer pick. I'm a Packer fan. The, the, the I know the, the Packer offense is loaded, and I think our offensive line will be better this year. I don't think Grant's going to go down. I think he, he has no choice but to go up. But the one thing I will say is that he's steady. So at least in that pick – I will admit that Moss in number one is a is a home run pick. I agree that Fitzgerald or Austin might have been less risk. I think this is Moss as he's in the final year of a career, or, of, or a career, of his contract. And it's his last chance to get something. I think Brady has something to prove. I think the Patriots have something to prove. So that's why I took him when I did. Grant was sort of the opposite. I think that Grant is going to get – 1,300 yards, he's going to score 11 or 12 touchdowns, and I didn't have to worry about that at two. I, I got to say, I don't think he would have made it to three. You might be right. Maybe he would, but I don't think he would have made it to three, and that is actually, in my mind, the critical choice when you pick in the middle of the draft. Because we at pick seven, I either get him at two or it completely goes away. And then what do I get at three? Uh, would I have liked Grant or Pierre Thomas instead of Grant? No. So I, I don't feel bad about taking him at two and getting Bolden
2: at three. Yeah, Bolden, Bolden is your one, uh, wild card, I would say, in that, because I'm not sure how many balls uh, are going to go his way. You would think that he gets all the targets for uh, Flacco, the, the number one target, but you get Mason, who he's already developed a rapport with, uh, you, you definitely have Ray Rice that he's developed a rapport with. You would think that Ray Rice's numbers will come down to make room for Bolden, uh, and it's just how does he fit into that offense? And what I've got a thing where I, I try to avoid those types of situations where it is you know somebody you know a new situation. It's kind of it's kind of a little risky for me. But look, hey, you can't fault it again. Number two wide receiver Quan Bolden coming back. You bring in Jonathan Stewart, and you took him over Lashawn McCoy. Uh, but again, uh, Jonathan Stewart. With with even a timeshare situation, uh, when people paid a three one price for D'Angelo Williams, you're getting basically the same back, the same commitment to carries in Jonathan Stewart at four six. Love, I love the Stewart pick. Talk about that for a second. Well, you said you said two things there. I will admit
5: that when I took Bolden, we I, I would have considered Colston. We uh, actually. You know, you know, my partner and I, Paula, we've had, we've had Colston for two years in a row, tremendous player, the number one target in what, what everyone c- would consider the number one passing offense. i got to admit, I thought Meacham came forward enough last year and the other players came forward enough last year that I was willing to take Bolden instead of Colston. Then when it came back around, you're right, uh, taking Stewart, Um, instead of McCoy. And we always – we were way ahead of the curve in taking uh, you-know-who, Mr. Westbrook. So, again, knowing the Philly offense and knowing what that might mean, I did consider McCoy at that point. The one thing I will say is that I think that Stewart has turned into a stone-cold option that is for sure just like Ryan Grant. So I was happy at that point to end up with him. If, if, and now I love D'Angelo, a great player, you know, shifting is beyond shiftiness, but Stewart's still going to be the goal line guy when it matters. They have less of a, of a passing offense than they had in previous years, even though DeLone was terrible, there's no guarantee Matt Moore will be better. So my thought was, and Stewart, The talk is, and this could be wrong, it's uh, training camp talk, that he's as healthy as he's ever been. So I thought getting him there was a big pick and that he could have a tremendous season. I think he might be as talented as any running back in the league if he's healthy. So I thought it was worth a gamble there. Again, trying to pick a team gambling to have a chance to win, I thought he was a win pick there.
4: Well, looking, looking back on that, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at it right now. Uh, I know you feel good about Jonathan Stewart. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Would you have taken uh, Jonathan Stewart or LaShawn McCoy?
5: Well, I, I, again, I considered that. I think that – let's put it this way. Um, this might be stupid, but I've been burned, and I bet a lot of fantasy players have been burned – by guys who have either never done it for a full season or have done it for a part of a season, but then never followed through. I have no concerns about Stewart there because he has been hurt and couldn't practice and still did it in the biggest league mm-hmm. in the world. I love McCoy and we loved Westbrook and McCoy could be the next Westbrook, but he's never done it. And, mm-hmm. I was, I have to admit, I was tar- targeting Cobb later, so I stayed away from McCoy because I didn't want to end up with McCoy
2: and and Cobb. Cobb. Well, let's let's right. face it, because I, I can see right through here, Rich, one, one thing for sure, you're a hater.
3: You're a hater. You
2: you turned down Brett Favre's number one weapon, Sidney Rice, because no, you, you're a package fan. You can't. <laughs> You can't bring in Sidney Wright. You can't have any involvement. You can't be rude for Brett Favre because you can't stand to see Favre in the purple. You turned down Sidney Wright for Anquan Bolden. That is true. And if Anquan Bolden had limped
5: into camp with, or I'm sorry, didn't show up because he had a hip injury that was indescribable, then I might have made the other choice. Trust me. I'm a Packer fan. Favre makes wide receivers. So, as much as, I ad, as much as I admire Sidney Rice, i I got to say this. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I want your guys' opinion. I think Sidney Rice is a is a basically more talented Antonio Freeman. Now, Favre made Freeman. Bill Schrader caught eight touchdown passes and had a 1,000-yard season with Favre. So, in my opinion... I, I just was not willing to go forward with the Sidney Rice thing when he when he, when he has some kind of an injury and part of it's still a question mark, and those two things would keep me from taking him. Otherwise, I think he's a more talented Antonio Freeman.
3: He's a he, he's a, a
2: mini Randy Moss. He's six four. He's he, you know Freeman wasn't six four, was he? He's a little guy. Mm-hmm. This is this is six four going up in the air, going to get the ball anytime he wants it. I. I was so impressed with what he did late in that season in the playoffs. I think I have uh, no, you're, really- you're
5: no. Actually, you're right about that. I, my comparison to Freeman has to do with I think Freeman was an above average talent, but was was great because he was with Favre. I think Rice is an above average talent. I think that the ten years difference between he and Freeman accounts for the size. I think all of the receivers or or the great receivers are getting bigger. But I, I just – I don't know. I just couldn't make that step with with Rice. I want to. You know, I'm, I'm, I love Favre. I want to make that step with Rice. But he has that question mark, and I, at that point I wouldn't be willing to make that choice.
2: I'm definitely looking, Mike, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at the fifth and sixth round when I can get guys like Heinz Ward, Dwayne Bowe, Jeremy Macklin, Ocho Cinco, Pierre Garcon, the list goes on and on, Wes Welker, I want two wide receivers out of the fifth and the sixth. So that means I wanted, I need at least two running backs before that, maybe even three. If I could go three and three here and do the same thing that, that uh, Rick did, I would be pretty happy about that. Wide receivers in the fifth and sixth look pretty good to me.
4: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I totally agree with that because, you know, I sat there and I wasted – uh, you know, I felt like I wasted a couple picks uh, on Deshaun Jackson, Michael Crabtree, when uh, I could have went and uh, got some better running backs than obviously Ronnie Brown and uh, Joseph Adatt. So You nailed gonna, it. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm going to learn from that because, you know, I can step up with uh, the running backs again in uh, round three and four, and then I can step down in uh, round five and six and, uh, you know, get the wide receivers that, uh, that I know are going to fit my team.
2: Hey, if you could do that, guys, if you could do that, and you could make that Drew Brees team work, Mike, let's take a look at that. You could have went Frank Gore, Drew Brees. Third round came back with, let's say, Chris Wells or Peter Thomas, whichever one you like there, right? I mean, either one of those would be a would be a stud here. And then the fourth round, you could have came back with LaShawn McCoy. Okay, so you have, you have three running backs now in McCoy, Wayne Gore, and, and Wells. Wells. Let's just say you have McCoy, Gore, and Wells, along with Drew Brees, and now you come back, you snipe him, you get Heinz Ward, maybe you get Jeremy Macklin, and then you come back and maybe get Braylon or John Driver.
4: Yes. I mean, when I'm going through it and looking at it, I'm going, wow. You know, I mean, there's a lot of options at wide receiver. So, uh, the more I think about it, uh, you know, I can still wait on tight end. I just got to make the right choice at tight end. Uh, but in rounds uh, three and four, definitely can go after some more running backs.
2: Well, Rich, very rarely can I do I see a team that could uh, draft a, a quarterback early and work out, uh, and you just went the opposite. You went with Kevin Cobb late in the draft after you had secured not only your lineup, but you also secured a bye week replacement in, in Justin Forsett, and to be able to get Kevin Cobb after all that said and done that's the type of strategy, I think, that a lot of people will look at and come out of this draft and say, that's what I want to do. Well, I, I'll, I will say this.
5: In all due respect to your co-host, I would have never taken Randy Moss if he hadn't taken Gore. We, I wanted Gore. So uh-huh. think about it. If, I had, if he hadn't taken Gore, no matter who he had taken, and I had taken Gore in one, that would have completely changed. I wouldn't have taken Grant in two, I would have probably tried to look for Roddy White or somebody else who I don't even think was there. And Everywhere. that's that's the that's the interesting thing about uh, the serpentine draft. And I guess I guess all of the people who listen to this show are are uh, well versed in the different types of drafts that try to minimize this. But by taking Moss, who I would have st- was still my number one pick because he took Gore. That, that predicated everything else I did, and i got to admit, I was shocked after I took Ward, I, and of course at this point I was targeting Heath Miller, but I didn't care that they were both on the same team at this point because I wasn't going to take a tight end. I was shocked that Bo fell to six. Now maybe that will end up being a bad pick, but to get him in six, if it turns out, with the changes in the offensive coordinator there in, in uh, Kansas City, if that makes a big deal, and then, to, like you said, to take Forsett, who I think is Pete Carroll's Reggie Bush, and they don't have uh, – Julius Jones is not an established player there. So I all of a sudden think my first seven players, I have four wide receivers and three running backs that in PPR I love. And I still managed to hold off and get Cobb. Now, I'm betting on him, uh, again, you know, to have a big first year when he's never done it. And I agree. That's against what I said earlier. And then Heath Miller to de- to depend on as my normal. And, by the way, I was going to back him up with Kevin Boss at a later point, which I thought would be reasonable as a backup. So, and then I got Eddie Royal, Around after that, and Shillings around after that. Both guys that I think could catch 70 plus passes. So I was not playing the FFPC load up on the tight ends. I was trying to play the flexibility in the lineup to have that many wide receivers and fill in catching running backs to make up for not having all the tight ends.
2: Yeah, and, and you know when I look back at it, I guess I shouldn't have spent that sixth round pick on Chris Cooley. When you when you think about Cooley, he's he's in that Heath Miller discussion. I mean, especially coming back from an injury, I I, I don't see that as being much different there. And I think I could have, I, I would have much rather had, you know, a Pierre Garcon there uh, or something along that lines um, to to help bolster that team a little bit. But hey, this has been a lot of fun, guys. We're gonna, we're going to wrap it up. We've got. Um, uh, obviously, the World Championship of Fantasy Football announced their draft positions. It's an exciting time to be game planning and strategizing over there. They opened up the new Super Satellite, the number two Super Satellite for, for a lot of players to take advantage of, and, and Mike, I'm thinking about jumping in that because I love that Saturday to be able to take advantage of that. You've got the National Fantasy Football Championship with their 14-team events filling up in cities across all the country, and you've still got the Fantasy Football Players Championship experiencing record growth this year. Uh, also I wanted to mention on that Pros versus Joes contest, they all start Monday night now remember, Monday night, 9 o'clock you have two drafts, 9 and 10 Monday through Thursday, two drafts per night they start off the Pros versus Joes championship, Rudy Rudiger's underdogs and Rod Tidwell's moneymakers and I'll be drafting in that uh, that second draft there at 10pm uh, at the Fantasy Players Association Rick, you're a part of, and, and, and the FPA is drafting in the three spot uh, in that draft, and so I hope this uh, helps us out with a little bit of experience. If you missed out on the Pros versus Joes as a player, as a Joe, you can still, anybody can enter the Pros versus Joes Pick the Winners contest, $150 first prize courtesy of Mojo and Cotrax. Uh, you can check that out at the DC board. And uh, we've got a big show lined up. We'll be talking about the Pros versus Joes draft. We'll also be, we have a special guest lined up uh, next Friday night. We're going to be releasing some uh, some very interesting information for all fantasy players. You will not want to miss that show next Friday night on Red vs. Blue. Rich, Mike, thanks for joining us tonight. It was a great time. Uh, uh, we had a lot of time. We learned a little bit. And uh, let, let's do it again. We've got pros vs. Joes on Monday night. Thanks, guys, and we'll That's see you good. next week.
0: In the morning, you're chasing you're praying for marriage, romance in your honey. I'm searching, but where does it end? I'm leaning, I'm calling a friend. I'm running.